Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, everyone. It's Raja from Melbourne again. Sorry for the uh, massive delay in the podcasting series. Um, my last podcast was several weeks ago, and I've just been extremely busy with work and other commitments. So just haven't had much time to sort of put out another episode. So I thought um, I had some time today. So I thought I'd go through some of the basic common investor mistakes um, that people make. And if you sort of think about what's happened in the last two months, there's been extreme volatility in the share market, uh, in Australia especially. And um, it's a great example uh, which I'll use to go through some of the mistakes that you could have made over the last eight weeks. And hopefully you haven't. Hopefully you've stuck to the guns and stuck to your principles and your plan over the long term. So uh, as you know, I'm a firm believer in pay yourself first and also um, spreading across the market rather than buying a specific stock. So index funds or passive investing is my strategy for the long term. Um, so uh, using that as a basis, um, I'll go through some of the common investor mistakes in this podcast episode. Uh, as usual, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to contact me via this podcast series, or if you know me on Facebook, you can just private message. Um, and uh, let's get started. So what's the first common investor mistake? Um, having no plan. Now, it sounds really, really simple, but like anything in life, if you have a plan, then you're more likely to be successful in executing that plan. So you need to build a road to a location. So and without a road, then your ability to get to that location is hampered and hindered. So you need to think about what is your goals and objectives? Um, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? Just saying that you're beating the market is not an accomplishment. It's not a goal. You need to say, okay, in 30 years time, I'm going to have a million dollars in savings and this is the path and this is the plan that I have uh, that's going to get me to that million dollars or at least try to get you to that million dollars or as close to that million dollars as possible. So having a plan is extremely important. Having a goal and objective to achieve that plan um, is also important. Then you've got to consider risk. So how are you going to get there? Are you going to, um, you know, get there slow and steady or are you going to take some risk in the market by investing in some volatile asset classes? Um, so that depends on where you are in your stage of life. So if you're a 30-year-old saving for retirement, volatility over the next 30 years is not really that important or shouldn't be that important. On the other hand, inflation, uh, which erodes any long-term portfolio, is a significant risk if you're a 30-year-old. Now, if you're a 65-year-old, is going to be retiring in the next five years, then yeah, you need to consider how you're going to invest depending on the risks that you're able to tolerate. And really, that's a short-term investment strategy where you don't want to take too much risk because you don't want to lose all your savings in those five years prior to your retirement. Now, then once you've uh, identified your goals and objectives and have a plan and identified your risks, you need to think about, well, how are you going to measure your performance 
of your investment. Um, what is your benchmark? Are you going to measure it against the um, Australian um, you know, index funds? Are you going to measure it against the ASX 200? Are you going to measure it against the property market, the cash market, the bond market, the term deposit market? You need to pick a figure and a pick an asset class and try and um, you know, measure your success of your portfolio based on the industry benchmarks. Now, if you don't have that, then there's no point. Um, you know, if you made 10%, um, you know, what are you comparing that to? That's, that's really important. Of course, uh, with anything, uh, and I've spoken about this extensively in my previous podcast, asset allocation. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. That's probably one of the most common investing mistakes that I get asked about all the time. Which shares do I invest in? I say, don't buy the needle in the haystack. Buy the haystack. That is the most important um, advice that I would be giving young investors particularly over the long term. So your asset allocation has to be aligned with your goals. Um, and of course, which each asset allocation comes with its own relevant risks. And of course, diversification. So you need to you know, make sure that your layers of diversification are thorough. Um, and within each asset class, you need to diversify more. Um, so, you know, you want to be exposed to large cap stocks. You want to be exposed to mid and small cap stocks. You might want to have some property on the side. You might have some superannuation, some savings, some turbid deposits, some corporate bonds, some government bonds, whatever you want. But make sure they have some eggs in each of the basket. That's your plan. Goals and objectives, risks, appropriate benchmarks to compare it to, your asset allocation, and you need to make sure that you diversify. Now, the second common investor mistake is time horizon. I've always maintained that investing for the shortfall or for the short term, sorry, is a fallacy. That I mean, what is short term? For me, anything, you know, really less than seven years is short term. Ideally, anything less than 30 years is short term. Now, Jack Bogle says five to seven years. Warren Buffett says seven years. Now, I think that if you're young, if you're in your 30s, there's no reason why you shouldn't be thinking about 30 years as your investment horizon. So it really depends uh, on your goals again. So if your goal is, you know, your your children's college education or your children's university education um, and they're currently just born, well, you've got, you know, at least, you know, 18 years or so uh, of investment time horizon. So that's a pretty long-term strategy. But if the same child is now in high school, well then your strategy has to be slightly different because your time horizon is now quite short and therefore your risks and your asset allocation should be reflective of that goal. In general, though, most investors are just focused on the short term. Um, I find that um, that's probably not the right strategy. You need to really focus for at least seven years or more. Now, if you're not going to be you know, um, wanting your money gone away for seven years, then you really shouldn't be um, investing particularly in the stock market because your losses can be quite great if so. And the last eight weeks have um, proven in Australia how volatile the market can get, um, but I'll get to that in a moment. Now, paying attention to TV. I personally don't watch any financial shows on TV. Um, I just don't find them very useful. So turn the TV off. In fact, I don't watch any TV at all. Um, you know, you might want to read a newspapers or newsletters here and there. Um, but I, I generally don't read much of the financial section of anything. Um, and I don't certainly base my investment decisions based on what I see on TV or what I read in the newspaper. Now, basically, 
the news media, paper, internet, smartphone-related, TV, whatever, um, they make money based on what they, you know, uh, basically talk about on TV. So if there's any volatility in the market, you can imagine that makes news and therefore the news organizations and newspapers sell more of that news and that's how they make the money. So in other words, if there's volatility in the market, then it's good for the financial media. But if there's volatility in the market, it doesn't help me. So listening to these people or reading their stuff doesn't really you know, influence my decision making. Um, but it's nice to know what's going on around the world because it might help you um, you know, plan for the future. But really, I don't really care. Like in the last eight weeks, there's been, you know, threats of trade wars. Um, Donald Trump's gone crazy over domestic and foreign policy. Um, you know, there's been international relationships nightmares. In Australia, particularly, there's been issues with, um, you know, political turmoil, particularly with the state election in Victoria coming up. So all of that, I don't really care about because in the long term, this is just noise. Um, so I don't really you know, pay much attention to it. So make sure you create your goals, you have your asset allocation, you go through the risk profile and just spend more time sticking to it and sticking to that investment plan. Now, the fourth investor mistake is something called rebalancing. Um, I think I touched on it in the past. What that means is that um, you need to have a look every year to see how your investment portfolio is going. And that's just not your share market. That's also your property portfolio, your superannuation portfolio, your spouse's portfolio, and sort of say, okay, well, what are we going to do with the asset classes that are performing extremely well? And then what are we going to do with the asset classes that are the worst performing um, asset classes? Now, the contrarian action is very difficult uh, for many investors. In other words, um, it's very difficult for you to sell the investments that are actually doing really, really well and taking that profits and reinvesting in the investments that are doing really, really poorly. Because let's face it, the human brain is wired to think, well, if something's doing really, really well, why would I be selling that? Well, that's so that you can put the money into the less performing asset classes and with the hope that in the long term, the less performing asset classes actually perform really well, and then the cycle starts again. Now, you can rebalance every one year, every two years, three years, four years, five years, doesn't matter, but it's up to you. You need to come up with their own sort of rebalancing strategy, but the people who rebalance religiously are the ones that reap the long-term rewards. Now, investor mistake number five, um, now according to Investopedia, um, just being overconfident, um, you know, just thinking that you're infallible, just thinking that, um, you know, everything's going well, so, you know, I can just time the market, you know, especially in the last eight weeks, people have, you know, posted on specific business forums and, and, and online investing forums and, um, and also, you know, told me that, um, you know, the market's going to crash, it's going to crash, so I'm going to wait for the market to crash. Now, you know, you're attempting to catch a falling knife, and if you catch a falling knife, then you're likely to be injured. So, you know, I don't, I think being overconfident about market crashes or being overconfident about the ability for certain people to manage money, I don't think that's useful. Um, now, if you have a look at the world's richest people, uh, not many of them are market timers. So my philosophy, and I think, you know, a lot of rich people's philosophy, and I'm nowhere near as rich as some of these millionaires and billionaires, but essentially is time in the market 
is far more valuable than timing the market. So if you can just repeat that over and over and over again and don't waver from that, then the chances are in the long term, 30-year horizon, uh, you're probably going to do reasonably well. Now, the sixth mistake is index funds um, in the sense that not many people, you know, um, invest in index funds. Uh, as you know, I've moved over to Vanguard uh, in Australia, and more recently I moved over to their wholesale fund because, you know, their um, uh, management fees is just 18 basis points, you know, compared to some of the mutual funds that are sold by Comsec or other companies where the um, uh, management fees are up to a percent or if not higher per year. Now, you know, I feel that... Um, uh, I feel that... Um, uh, investing uh, in the haystack rather than investing in the needle is the right strategy. Um, and look, if people like uh, John Bogle and Warren Buffett and all these rich people, if it's good enough for them, it's definitely good enough for me. Now, if you're really into you know, wanting to actively invest and you don't want to do the index funds, fine. Maybe you want to do a 70-30 strategy. Maybe you want to do 70% indexing and 30% uh, active uh, investing. But you, know, you need to pick a number that's suitable for you. My number is... Uh, almost all of my money um, goes to uh, index funds and passive investing strategies because over the long term, the um, the um, uh, the uh, evidence is that passive investing is uh, the best way to invest for the long term. And finally, um, chasing performance. So, you know, this goes back to the previous mistake of trying to follow financial news media. What a lot of people tend to do is they tend to go, oh, look, the property market's coming down and, or the property market is going, going to, um, is to go up or the share market's going to crash or the share market's going to go up. And then they look at the past performance and particularly over the last six months, they go, oh, look, it's done really well, it's done really poorly, so it's a great time to invest. I don't think that's a um, uh, great way to invest and that sort of fear of missing out. Um, has probably led to many people losing a lot of money and making really, really bad investment decisions. So, um, look, if um, if a particular asset class has done extremely well in recent times, then you'd have to wonder whether that cycle is starting to be nearing its end. So, you know, that means the smart money is actually moving out or potentially moving out or very soon moving out. And the dumb money is pouring in. And by dumb money, I'm meaning all the people that think, oh, look, it's done really well over the last three years, so let's just put money into it. So I think, uh, I think that's a very, very bad strategy. I think just stick with your investment plan. Uh, invest regularly. Invest in the haystack. Pay yourself money uh, and take that money and just you know, apply it to a broad index fund. Um, rebalance every now and again, and, um, which is basically the, the opposite of you know, chasing performance and stock picking, etc. And over the long run, you will find that uh, there's a very good chance that you're going to be ending up on the uh, positive side and hopefully becoming uh, very, very wealthy. So a lot of what I've said today you might think is relatively common sense, um, but you'll be amazed uh, that common sense is actually not common enough. Um, and look, a lot of what I've said doesn't make for great conversation, uh, at dinner parties, but, um, you know, um, it's practically good advice, boring advice. It's not exciting, um, but over the long run is likely to be the most beneficial. So, um, and if you're thinking about 
investing, um, I think you need to think about, okay, where do you want to be in the next 7, 10, 30 years, and then design your investments based on that strategy, as opposed to saying, I want to beat the market, um, because I think that's just probably not the right strategy to take, uh, particularly in the long run. So once again, apologies for the massive delay in getting out more podcasts. I'll try to be a bit more regular in the future. Um, But like I said, it's just been a bit uh, busy in my life. And hopefully in the last eight weeks, the market has been extremely volatile. Um, But hopefully that hasn't deterred your interest and passion and plan to invest. Uh, Because guess what? Over the last eight weeks, I've just put more money in every single week. Um, and it turns out as the market has crashed, um, I've actually bought more shares using the same amount of money, um, as opposed to when it was eight weeks ago. So that's called dollar cost averaging, and I'm actually getting, um, a huge benefit out of it. So the analogy that I would use is you go to the shopping center and your favorite chocolate bar, Cadbury's, uh, hazelnut, that's my favorite, is actually on sale. The product is exactly the same. It tastes exactly the same. The amount of chocolate that you buy is exactly the same, but you pay less. So by paying less, you get the same chocolate bar, and eventually the price will go up because it kind of does, and that's what happens with these cycles. And if you have a uh, have a look at what's happening over the last week or so in the ASX financial markets, it's actually steadily going up. So essentially, I've just put money in and just waited, done nothing else, And it just turns out that the money that I've put in has bought more shares um, because the share market has gone down, and now it's slowly picking up. So essentially, I've just made money for doing absolutely nothing. Um, So I hope in the long run that will pay off. Who knows? But the likelihood is it will pay off. Um, And that's a very good example of not really paying attention um, to the news media not really you know, changing my game plan, not really changing my financial strategy. It's just sticking to the guns, doing simple things, doing it again and again and again, and hopefully doing it forever. Um, and obviously using the foundation of that is getting 20% of my income and just paying myself first. So that's the end of this podcast. And um, hopefully I'll touch base very soon with another episode. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me at any time. I'll try and get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, Meanwhile, this is Raja from Melbourne. Pay yourself first. Don't pay attention to the financial media. Ignore the noise. And by the way, um, I think it's Diwali, which is the Indian festival um, coming up this weekend. Um, And we're moving very, very close to Melbourne Cup, which is next Tuesday, public holiday. And of course, after that is uh, Christmas and New Year. So um, we're moving on to the holiday season very, very well. So Happy Diwali for everyone, and uh, we'll touch base very, very soon. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.